Hi, and welcome to the New Futurist Podcast, a show where we focus on practical ways to gain greater clarity and insight about how the world is changing, and more importantly, about what you can do today to take a more active role in creating the kind of future that you want to see. My name is Jared Nichols. I'm the host of this show, and today I've got something special for you. Uh, this is an interview that I did when I was the host of the Road Ahead podcast. And uh, this is something that uh, I went back and looked at and listened to and realized that even though uh, we recorded this a few years ago, the wisdom and the insight shared by my guest today is still very relevant and applicable uh, to creating the future, to thinking differently about the actions that we take and how to make better decisions. So this is something I know you're going to enjoy. So stick around for this show here. But before we do that, Real quick, let's do a little house cleaning. If you have not subscribed to the show, take a second, click the subscribe button. And this helps us do two things. Number one, it helps us to make sure that you are getting the most up-to-date shows and information, things that uh, will help you uh, along this journey when it comes to creating the future. But it also gives us insight into what is most important to you. It allows us to have a conversation back and forth so we can better understand what is really resonating uh, better understand what you want to hear more about. And then that gives us the ability to uh, bring on new guests, create new content, and, uh, and, and ensure that we're providing value to you going forward. So if you haven't, click the subscribe button. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's jump into the show. Well, Dory, it is definitely a pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know you're busy. Uh, right before we hit record here, you said you've been traveling back to back. Uh, you've got your new book coming out, which of course we're going to talk about and talk about the principles in that book. But uh, I know that uh, that time is precious and, and really appreciate you taking time to share your wisdom with us today. So welcome to the show. Jared, thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's just jump right in, Dory. This, this new book, Entrepreneurial You, this really, you know, this as I'd mentioned before, this is exciting to me because uh, again, I I look at where I am in my own career, and I know so many other small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, people that have been trying to uh, look for what's the next move in their career, what's the next thing that they can do to differentiate themselves. This is a constant conversation I think that we're always having in our own minds, and so I really want I want you to to give us kind of the big picture and then how we, we drill down and how not just people like you and I that say go out and we you know speak or write or do any of those things, but how, how can a business apply these same principles of, of, uh, of really enhancing their own personal brand? Well, ultimately, this is, this is a great question, Jared. What I argue in Entrepreneurial You is that we, we kind of have things backwards a little bit because just about everybody knows that if you were to take all the money that you earn and invest it in one stock, that's a really bad idea. Yeah. Every, you know, we've, we've all heard from, you know, from day one, okay, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't do that. And yet at the other end of the equation, how we're actually earning money in so many ways, that's exactly what we're doing. Because it's it's either people who have a, a day job, and that's the one thing that they're relying on for income. Um, I started my career as a journalist, and I got laid off. So I, I learned very quickly that that can, that can change overnight. But even if you are already an entrepreneur, you might feel diversified because you have multiple clients, but if you're doing the same thing for all of those clients, that is subject to disruption too. 
And yeah. so one of the smartest things that we can do is to start to, to think, you know, I mean, we're not talking about doing wildly different things, you know, selling ice cream and walking dogs and being a lawyer. What we're talking about is really getting to know and understand your audience and asking what other related things could I do for my audience? How do I leverage this expertise and take it further and put it into some slightly different directions that allow me more opportunities to diversify and more opportunities to serve people? Oh, I love that. You're really you're talking about <clears throat> you're ultimately talking about the the roadmap to reinvention. It's finding those transferable skills that are not specific to your industry and seeing how they help to solve problems that are not just you know, oh, one another market, but really, I mean, in the world at large, I mean, what big, that's how markets are created. We're solving human problems. So I love that you're talking about that. That's so, so incredible. Uh, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Why, why do you think it is that so many of us, because uh, it, it does, it seems to be an internal dialogue of, well, I know that I need to be diversifying more. I need to, to be doing more of these things. But what, in your opinion, what have you seen? Of course, I'll share my own stuff in a minute here, but I want to hear from the expert here. What have you seen across the spectrum of the different people that you've worked with that holds them back from getting over that wall? What's the big, what's that big uh, stumbling block? Well, you know, I think in some ways, Jared, it's, I have two answers for this. The first is that it's somehow uh, sometimes a, a question of identity for people. Yeah. So uh, one woman that I, I remember speaking to, she wanted to know, she's like, oh, you know, can I can I talk to you a little bit? I'm just having this real struggle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's what's going on? And she said, well, you know, I'm I'm a speaker, but I got this request that these people want me to do a workshop. And I mean, I just don't know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, uh, I, I don't even understand what the problem is. Like, what? <laughs> What's going on? She's like, but I'm a speaker. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you you can do workshops too. That's allowed. That doesn't like contradict your identity. And so I think people sometimes have these weird hangups about, oh, well, you know, I'm a consultant. So obviously I consult. I don't do coaching. That's completely different. Well, you know what? If, you're, if your clients want it, then maybe you should think about it. The, the second thing that I'll say too, and this this was a factor for me is a lot of, um, you know, what I talk about in the latter part of Entrepreneurial U is some of the online methods that people can use to leverage their skills and expand into new areas. And that is a, a part of the business that either sometimes people just haven't explored because, you know, maybe when they started their business 10, 20 years ago, that wasn't possible. That wasn't a thing. Um, but also there so much of the early days of what we heard about online business were these like super scammy, let me sell you Viagra type things. And I, I think that there is still a little bit of a lag in the public perception that, you know, you really can do smart, ethical, helpful things and sell it online. But when people hear online marketing, they sometimes think about sleazy tactics that they don't want to be associated with. Yeah, well, you know, I'm right in the middle of that right now. That's been the big push for me. I think you and I talked about that in our first conversation is is moving, is adding that element in my own business to be able to reach more people and equip them with the skills of, you know, essentially teaching them how to think like futurists. How do they actually apply that and think long term? And you're right. I, I look back and go, well, what were the factors that stopped me from doing that initially. And it, it is, it's, there's a certain perception that's involved that you think, well, you know, that's not really how I want to be seen. And so that kind of goes back to your first answer about identity, even though I, I try not to slot myself into being a coach or consultant or things, you know, I do all of those, they're mechanisms, but it is true. We do, we compartmentalize ourselves. Um, so, so here's what I want to ask you about. 
when it comes to small business, small business owners, you and I can easily talk about experts in the field because we're always having to recreate ourselves and find new ways to generate revenue or provide more value or whatever that might be. But what about somebody with a, with a business where they have employees and they're looking at their current business model and their products and services? What, how do you walk somebody through this process or how does that conversation change? Because I know a lot of folks listening to this right now, that's the world they're living in. They maybe have one to five to 20 to some even have 300, 500 employees. I mean, how do you how do you move that conversation towards them? Yeah, so I, I think in many ways the principles are similar. It is ultimately about getting close to your customers. And so I, I think that even for, for people in successful businesses, it's sometimes easy for them to get into a frame where they think they know what their customers want. And you know, I'm sure that that's, that that's largely true. Yes, you, you do, you, you know, you talk to them, etc. Um, you you get feedback from them, but Oftentimes, there are things that are hidden unless you specifically ask the questions and unless you are doing a level of listening that is more acute than what you might normally do. So I think just about any business owner, let's say you introduce a new product, you're probably going to say to your customers, oh, you know, do you like the new product? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's great, you know, wonderful. (laughs) But are you having the second level of conversation about, well, what would you like even better? Or are there places where you feel like it's not meeting your needs? Or, you know, conversely, even bigger picture, what are the needs in your business that you're just you're just having problems with in general? Maybe it's something that the customer doesn't even associate with you. Maybe it's something they don't even think you can do, but you might be able to. And if you get them talking about their business, you might discover opportunities for them to come in. So you know this can this can be uh, anything from in in person, one on one, to focus groups, to surveys. But customer research is really that that necessary starting point. So you're talking about customer research, which I think is really important. What I've what I've come to find in many cases is that oftentimes if we just rely on saying, well, what exactly does the customer want? Then by the time we actually create it, it's going to either be out of date or it's, you know, or may not, that may be what they want in that second that they answer it. But I've also come to realize that so many people don't really know what it is they want and that there's a real opportunity to find out what is it that they need. And, you know, and that sounds like that you're really, you're, you're, you know, at least in this conversation here, I'm sure you dive into this in your book, but you know, of course I'm assuming the book is going to be coming out what in two weeks. So that's right. And I don't get an advance cut. (laughs) So I couldn't read, but it's, but I think this is really interesting because, uh, it seems to me, and what's your opinion on this, that the real opportunity is in uncovering a need that they don't even know that they have yet. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, you know, it, it is true that most customers, probably don't have the best answer if you ask them, you know, what can I design for you? What can I make? I mean, they don't they don't know, but partially because it's hard to envision something that doesn't exist and partly because they don't really know what your capabilities are. They know the thing you do now, they don't really know what what you might potentially hypothetically do. So it's it, it it's it would be foolish to rely on customers for that. But on the other hand, you also don't want to take this kind of snooty uh, Steve Jobsy in view that well the, you know the customer doesn't even know anything you know right. I'll, I'll yeah, handle it. <laughs> um, the, something the customer knows really well that the customer knows better than you ever will is what what problems are they having? They might not know what the solutions are 
They might not know that you can provide the solution, but they know what their problems are. They know the sticking point that every day, you know, this sort of annoying little thing is coming up. If you get them talking about that, you can make the intuitive leap in the in the connections. And also the process of asking and opening that up can be valuable. I mean, I was I was having a conversation just the other day with uh with someone about this service called Thunderclap. Uh, you know, it's a book... book uh, I've heard of that, I mean, yeah. It's, it's not necessarily just for book promotion, although a lot of people use it that way, but you get your friends to sign on and they all agree to, you know, that, to let this app tweet at the same time to promote your whatever that's launching. And it's, it's great. She asked if I was going to do a Thunderclap and I'm like, ah, maybe, blah, blah, blah. The thing that I don't really like about Thunderclap is it sends one tweet, and it's like, well, that's great, and it's nice if you have a bunch of people uh, doing it. But if, if people aren't on Twitter, then it's not really going to help. What yeah. I want is – and it, you know, it's not really much skin off somebody's back to, to say, okay, well, I'll send 10 tweets over the course of a week. And it would not be hard, I am sure, for the app to be able to do that. And if somebody came and asked me, like, hey, you know, how do you make Thunderclap better – I would actually know. I would be able to say, I want this. But the truth is, no one's asking me about <laughs> Thunderclap. Thunderclap doesn't really know who I am, and they don't really care. But frankly, I think I actually have an idea that would make it 100 times more useful. And so there probably are even people who are users or fans of your business that may, in fact, have insights like that. So how do you start that conversation when it comes down to if you're a small business or if you're a solopreneur or you know, you've got you know, one or two people that you work with? What's, what is the best way to approach that? I mean, obviously, this seems like, this, it seems like well, duh, everybody knows you just ask these kinds of questions. But that seems to be the problem. We're not asking the right questions. And I'll use an example. I, right before this call, I, got, I downloaded uh, Dory's... Hold on here. This was the 139 questions. I love this. Yes. This is the academic in you. This is, uh, <laughs> but this is great. It's your, your standout self-assessment. This is from a previous book, by the way. And if you haven't checked that out, it's called Standout. Um, but the first question you ask in here is, what are others in your field overlooking? What an obvious question, but what a powerful question. Yeah, I just love this. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. I'm going to enjoy this. No doubt about it. <laughs> so how do you teach somebody to ask the right kinds of questions so that uh, that we can get the best kind of information that's that's of real value to not only them but to us to be able to provide it for them. Well, I think in many ways, Jared, it starts with the type the type of business you have slash the type of relationship you have with your customers. So, for instance, if you have a kind of small business where you're interfacing directly with your clients, you you know who they are. Um, odds are, you probably have a pretty good sense of maybe who the five or ten are that you think are the sharpest and, you know, just, just from dealing with them, you know, they're, they, they always have a kind of good insight. They seem to understand the market pretty well. Those are the kinds of people that you want to get a little closer to. Maybe you do something like you, you do a customer focus group night. Maybe, you know, it doesn't take a lot. You could just reach out to them, ask if they'd be interested. If they are, you make a, a reservation one evening at the best restaurant in town. You know, something they'd be excited about. Yeah. And you just take them out. You say, everything's on me. The wine's on me. The food's on me. But would you share your brain power for, for the next 90 minutes with other business leaders that you could network with? That's a pretty good value proposition if they're a longtime customer of yours. And they could probably have some really good insights uh, as a result of that. So, you know, that's the kind of hands-on version. If you have the kind of business where you don't deal with anyone, you know, maybe it's a, a virtual business, 
business, you know, you sell um, you sell ebooks online or, or whatever it is. Maybe in that case, it's it's just doing as best you can, which is like a Survey Monkey survey or something like that. But just starting starting the conversation, or even having you know small kind of placeholders uh, at the bottom of your sales receipts. You know, you could have a little uh, thing or you know the your email signature file. You know, if you have any comments, uh, you know, about our business or ways we could do things better, um, you know, please please email us back or please you know fill it out in this link. Just to let people know that you're open to that. A lot of times people don't share it because they think, oh, no one would even listen. Why should I bother? But if you tell them, no, 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 we want to know, that's that's useful. Now, you know, caveat, not every piece of feedback you're going to get is going to be helpful. Um, but, you know, you got to be aware of that. But sometimes the, the one in 10 or the one in 50 that is useful can make up for all the rest. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. Well, so, is, so I want to jump into something you've talked about. I know you talk about this in your book. Um, and I know for me personally, I'm working on this and really trying to hone and, and, and shape this. And this goes back to what you were talking about earlier about uh, how we need to have the transferable skills. Being, we were talking about reinvention and all that. But it's here's, here's the one area that I keep running up against, and I'm working on it myself now, but I see this with other people. And that is really drilling down into who your ideal customer is. Because everything else after that, I, I can know how to run systems. And believe me, I've got them all set up. I've been spending the last eight months retooling my business. And and then it all kind of comes to a it comes to a point you go, where's the continuity of message and who is it? Especially like for myself, I'm a process consultant and expert. I teach process that can be applied to any kind of industry in any kind of format. And so Drilling down to say who are the ideal people that I want to work with that you know that seems to be the toughest thing for so many folks like myself to get over and I know for small business owners out there that's that's part of this whole game where we're opened up to a massive global market. How do we leverage that and how do we get smarter about it and you're an expert in that so so yes, yeah, so I don't know if there was a question there, but I said just tell us share us your wisdom how do we better understand who our customers are so that we can expand our uh, our brand our business and uh, you know, be able to impact more people and generate more revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think Jared, you're exactly right. I mean, for for some people, it's easy. You know, they, they they're an industry specific consultant. Okay, great. They do pharma yeah. consulting, right? But for for a lot of people, you know, let's say you are a process improvement consultant. Well, okay, theoretically, every process in the entire universe could be optimized. So, <laughs> what do you do with that? Um, this is the place where where I would say the real strategy is to is to just to borrow a phrase from the author Peter Sims to to put out little bats and, you know, meaning you, you can't know and you can't figure it out until you test and experiment. You can think about it for a million years, but you're just never going to know until you put yourself out there. And so I would say if you can find a, uh, you know, to, to use some lean startup language, if you can find a minimum viable product and just put little things out to see who bites that can be a really good test. So for you, I would say, all right, let's do, let's say you want to experiment over the course of the next three months, you decide that you're going to place 20 uh, articles about process improvement techniques in 20 different professional journals for, for different uh, industries. And 
you see where you get the biggest response. You know, who is it that you find is calling you back? Who is it where you're starting to get inquiries about speaking engagements? Or, oh, you know, we, we saw your article here. Can you write for our magazine, which is also in this industry? And see where the momentum takes you yeah. because that will that will indicate to you um, – where you should be putting more effort. You, you, you want the people to raise their, their hands themselves. So you give them a little opportunity to do that. And then when you see the momentum, you move in that direction. Yeah, that makes sense. No, that's good. Uh, I started to have a flashback. It's like, I think I did that a couple years ago and I did, I had other magazines write and say, Hey, we'd like you to write something for us. And then I just stopped. <laughs> Why? What was anyway, so, <laughs> which is probably what a lot of us do. So, so, so Dory, tell us a little bit about you know, the, tell us some of the. And you've already been sharing a lot of really wonderful things from the book here, but let's dive in a little bit more and talk about the heart of this book. Why you wrote this, and uh, and, and and tell us you've got so many different methods to go in here for generating different. Way, you know, finding new ways to generate revenue. But tell us about the heart of the book here. Um, what inspired you to, to write this book, and and uh, and how it can help anybody really, because we're all moving in the direction of being entrepreneurs, whether we're there now or not. Yeah, so true. So true. Um, well, I wanted to write Entrepreneurial You, Jared, because I really wanted to s solve my own problem in many ways as an entrepreneur. I, After writing Standout, which is a book about how to become a recognized expert in your field, I kept hearing from people um, this pretty important question, which is, okay, you know, this is all great. It's wonderful to be recognized for your expertise, but how do you make money from it? And I realized, you know, we all know, we all can think of people that we know that are very talented, have great ideas, lots to contribute, and yet can't seem to get it going, making yeah. making money what they're doing. And I wanted to write a book just breaking that process down uh, so that I could interview some of the people who are really maxing it out, doing the best in their game. I interviewed 50 plus six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs. And went in depth about their business models and about specifically how they make money. I was curious about that myself. I, in particular, I wanted to start exploring online courses. And so this was a really good opportunity for me to get essentially free training from uh, some of the leading lights in the field. And so that was, uh, that was actually my plan. I spent the first two months of 2016 doing the interviews. Uh, and I then spent the rest of 2016 writing the book and simultaneously adopting and pursuing the strategies that I had learned to, to make myself my own guinea pig and see if it worked. And I am proud to say I was able to launch an online course. And over the course of 2016, just from using the techniques that I had investigated and researched in Entrepreneurial U, I was able to bring in an extra $193,000 above Ooh. and beyond what I had earned the year before. So it really can work. Oh, man, that is that is so cool. Yeah, that's uh, that speaks right to me. That's uh, that's my I, just last week I interviewed Jeff Woods from The One Thing. And, yeah. and so I've found that these these last few interviews have been kind of like Jared's therapy, right? I mean, so he turned a question around and I just went silent. And he said, yeah, what is your one thing? And I was like, I know what it is. And it's this. It's it's getting ready to launch this course. And so hearing you say how successful that was, uh, and I, can you just attest to this? As I've been going through this, I've really realized if you're going to play at that level, it is hard work. I mean, it is not you know, what you see Facebook ads. Oh, anybody can do it. Sure. If you want to, if you want to put the grind in, but, uh, anyway, that, that's, that's great to hear. So, 
So the online space, um, who are some of the people that you interviewed for this book? Are you able to share that? Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. In terms of, of the book, I, uh, I interviewed a lot of people that, that I really respect and, and think are doing cool things. So, uh, when it came to, uh, to the world of podcasting, let's say I, uh, interviewed John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, uh, Jordan Harbinger, who runs a show called The Art of Charm. Uh, I spoke with Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. I, uh, did a lot with, um, Michael Port, who's the author of Book Yourself Solid and, yeah, that, uh, Steal the Show. Right there, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I <laughs> talked to him about, uh, about his work in, uh, in consulting and, uh, and coaching, I um, talked with you know just a, just a variety of folks. A guy named uh, Jason Gaynard who runs a conference called Mastermind Talks that some folks may have heard of. Um, so you know, really a, a across the spectrum. Oh, that's exciting! So obviously, is, this kind of goes back to our the first part of our conversation, but the the transferability of skills. One thing we haven't really dove into yet is how can businesses start to really leverage the online space. And we've, we've dabbled in it a little bit here. We've talked about that. I mean, obviously, it's easy. You know, I, I get it for myself. I mean, I'm still having to work on that. But, but again, where and how can these businesses really start to take what they maybe have in a brick-and-mortar structure and move it into that online space to generate or create new streams of revenue? What are, what are your top two or three? Of course, I've got 139 questions over here that you've had. And got, <laughs> but what are, if you can whittle that down to, say, the top two or three uh, things that – the business owners need to be thinking about right now to expand their business in that space. Uh, what would those be? Well, if we're if we're specifically wanting uh, to help businesses break into the online space, I would say there's a couple of things to keep in mind. The first one is the importance, if they have not already gotten on the bandwagon of doing this, of building a robust opt-in email list because that is that is really the starting point. You need customers to be able to communicate with, and Facebook, you know, like Facebook likes or whatever, that is not going to cut it. As we know, Facebook can change their algorithms at any time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Twitter followers, like you know, most people don't even see the tweets going out. You need their email address. You need to be building that list uh, proactively. So that's the first piece: is just building the base of people that you then can do something online with. Um, the second piece that I would say, is, and this is you know, kind of one of the foundational lessons of entrepreneurial you, is testing before you go all in on something. So one of the stories that I tell in the book is about a guy named Danny Eaney, who uh, is you know really an expert in online course creation. And he shared his initial failure story uh, because he created this course. It was his first go at it, which ironically, of course, uh, his online course was called Marketing That Works. <laughs> selling it to one person. <laughs> So just I laugh, but I'm like, oh god! It just, you know, I'm in the midst of, yeah, yeah, so painful, so painful. And so he realized, you know, retrospectively after this horrifying thing, he's like, oh no, clearly I did not do this the right way. And so what he, uh, what he realized is that, and he did this for his subsequent courses, and it's it's proven to be very, very successful. And a lot of people have subsequently adopted the approach is that before you spend all this time creating your perfect course that clearly everyone's going to want, you need to start out, A, by surveying your audience to find out what they're even interested in, and B, once you kind of have a germ of an idea, you reach out to them and say, hey guys, I am thinking of doing a course. 
Are you interested in the concept? If you are interested in the concept, I will do a pilot. You can participate for a lower fee if you if you are willing to give a lot of feedback. Who's in? And then the real test is will they give you actual money? And when you have actual money, then you can say, all right, people seem to want this. And then that's your green light. But if no one does, then you've saved yourself a world of hurt because you have not spent all your time creating this this masterpiece that turns out to be a white elephant. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good advice. Absolutely. So, yeah, so it's really it's going back to the, you know, building up a list, obviously. And I know people might be thinking, well, I hear that all the time. But then the real question is, how many of us are actually doing that? I mean, I've just started to become much more strategic in the way that I'm I'm doing that. The problem that I think a lot of content creators have is that we'll create a bunch of content. We'll create a large body of work. But the, but you really have to be strategic with it. You've done that. You've done really well. And, of course, you going around and interviewing num a number of people, the more folks that start doing it, that means the more crowded the space becomes. And so we constantly have to find a way to differentiate ourselves from others. What are the ways that you've found that these successful entrepreneurs have been able to differentiate themselves in the online space when it seems to be such a loud and crowded market? Yeah, I think that when it comes to differentiating yourself, I mean, one of the one of the best ways, of course, clearly is um, is your voice, you know, just just the the level of connection that people have with you, because the truth is in almost any field there's a lot of overlap. You know, if you're, if you're a leadership speaker, yeah. you know, look, you're probably going to say, you know, it's different enough, but there's a lot, there's a lot of similar things. Right. And so really what people connect with is you, they connect with your personality, they connect with, with your authenticity. And so one example that I love from entrepreneurial you is, uh, so Pat Flynn, who runs this successful blog and podcast called smart passive income. The very first thing that he ever sold online was an ebook about how to pass a an exam in the architecture field related to green buildings. And so that that was his first thing. And so he he sells it. It's pretty successful. And so he starts to survey the people who uh who bought the book and and he wanted to know, well why did you buy this book? It turns out 25% of them had already taken the exam. They'd already passed it. They did not need this. They literally bought a book they didn't need. And so he asked them, well, why did you do that? And they said, well, you had been offering all this material online for free, and this was the first thing you ever sold. So it was the first chance we had to pay you back. Ah. And if, if you, you can create a relationship with your audience so that they will literally buy things they don't even need <laughs> – because they want to pay you back, that is powerful. That is powerful. And I wonder how many of us are uh, suffering from that right now because, oh, man, if we only had another hour and a half, right, we could just we could really dissect a lot of the psychology behind that. Well, I know our time's coming to an end here. So first of all, I know you have an, an awesome uh, offer here for the folks that are listening. And so tell us a little bit about that. It's 88 questions. So unlike the other one, there's 139 that I'll be going through. This one here's got 88 questions for a new book. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and then uh, how folks can find out more about you, how they can order the book, uh, how they can connect with you and, uh, and follow up from this conversation. 
Yeah, thank you, Jared. I appreciate it. So yeah, for the new book, Entrepreneurial You, I do have a free resource. Um, it is, uh, it's a self-assessment that actually walks people through the process of identifying uh, potential new income streams for themselves and uh, walking through how to, how to start to implement that in your own business to take it to the next level. So if folks would like to get that for free, you can at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. And uh, again, the, the book, it's Entrepreneurial You. You can get it Amazon, Barnes and Noble, lots of other good places, and uh, and if you're stymied in any way, just <laughs> contact me at doryclark.com, uh, just through my website. Absolutely, no, that's great, and we'll make sure to put those links up so folks can click that and just have an easy way to find that and find you. And really appreciate you taking the time to share this uh, great insights with us, Dory. And I'm excited about uh, your book coming out. I know that it's definitely relevant to me, so I'll be getting a copy myself. And would certainly encourage folks to, uh, at the very least, get that 88 questions. You may find that you know there's a lot of things that, uh, <laughs> that come to light when you go through that. So thank you so much, Dory, and uh, definitely look forward to having you on the show again down the road. That's awesome. Thanks, Jared. All right, everybody, that is it for today's show. Again, thank you so much for being here. And if you have not subscribed, make sure you do that before you uh, turn this episode off. And then also visit us at thenewfuturist.com where you can find out more about our work, uh, a lot of the free resources that we have. And of course, if you want to take your strategic thinking, your decision making, or increase that skill set uh, to drive real innovation and create the future, then you'll definitely want to check out the Foresight Academy. And you can find that on our website at thenewfuturist.com under courses, but you can also find that at theforesightacademy.com. Again, that's theforesightacademy.com. And this is something we're doing in partnership with the University of Tennessee, where uh, folks that go through this program and they complete it are uh, issued a certificate in strategic foresight from the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee. So again, check us out at thenewfuturist.com, but also if you're interested in, uh, in the Foresight Academy and getting your certificate in strategic foresight, then definitely check us out at theforesightacademy.com. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to us directly. Let us know what you think. If you've got some ideas or comments or things that you want to see us uh, or hear us talk about, we want to hear from you. We want to know. So make sure that you comment on the blog and, uh, and leave us a note. All right. Thanks again, everybody. See you soon.